Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bitch boys, bitch boys Bitch boys, bitch boys Bitch boys, bitch boys Binge boys, in your ears, in the airwaves, and the coming out of your device. That is correct. Hal Rudnick, Lon Harris. Talking streaming and some other things. Moderate, moderate other conversation. Oop, it's still going, folks. It's still going on. Yep. What else? Like, keep going. What else? Give, give me some more preamble. We hold these truths to be self-evident that we, the binge boys, episode number fifty-one. <laughs> yeah, it is. I believe that's what I. That's what my numbering. Oh my has goodness! Been. Are we almost at a year of binge of binging? I think it's. I feel like we've missed a few weeks, maybe, and it's been more than a calendar year already. Gotcha. I'm tempted to say. Uh, oh, we've missed at least one week. You know, like, I don't think it's one per 52 and then we go 52 straight. I think we've taken a few weeks off here and there. Mm-hmm. So I bet it's a little bit more than a year if I had my, if I, if I had my calendar out, I think. We're a year older, a year wiser. Here we are. It may not show. I don't really know about the wiser part. We spent this entire year watching TV shows. It's probably not the best way to get more wise. Yeah, the boob tube, the idiot box. Lon, uh, anything, any big plans for, as we're recording, it's the Friday before Halloween. Uh, Are you going to dress up? Are you going to do anything? You know, I bought a costume this year. Hmm. I usually do not because I'm old and I don't, I don't need them. You know, like it's like a lot of people my age, I feel like, and look, I don't mean this as a knock. If you're my age or around my age and you're listening to this, but I I see a lot of people around my age on like the Instagram on Facebook or whatever. uh, They're still, they're still dressing up. And I feel like they're do, they're getting costumes just for social media. They're like, I'm going to get a costume. I'm going to put it all together take a bunch of photos of myself, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then that will be it. Maybe I won't go to any parties. Maybe I won't go trick-or-treating. You know, we're adults. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. I can't. It, it's hard for me to bring myself to do that. I feel like I, I don't. That doesn't feel. I, I feel like if I'm going to get a costume, it's it's with a purpose. I'm going to I'm going to go somewhere in that costume. Gotcha. So you bought a costume. What is it? Well, I did, but I. It, it's like an everyday. I bought a uh, an exact copy of the Dan Flash's shirt that Tim Robinson wears. Oh, cool! In that scene from I think you should leave. Yes. So I like this because it's a costume. Like if I wore that to a party and then laid down on a couch and made a a, a sour face, everybody would get who I was. Mm-hmm. 
or at least everybody who has good taste in, in sketch comedy. The more, oh wow, so that shirt must have cost you thousands of dollars because that's uh, yeah, what a Dan Flash shirt sets you so back, right? Yeah, complicated. Yeah, they've got a shirt that costs $2,000 because the pattern's so complicated. What are you, how about you? You have Halloween plans? I have a costume, but I don't feel, I don't know if I'm going to have an opportunity we, to wear it. We all know in the comedy community, we all know you have multiple costumes. That's not, that's not news. Yeah, I have a, I have a trunk full of uh, wigs and different. Yeah, uh, Caramel the Wizard, the ghost of John Lennon. Yes. Uh, there's some, there's the some Randy elderly people in there, I know. Yes, uh, there are some several Randy elderly people. <laughs> Eric Jennifer is in there. There's, there's a robot whose yes. name I'm blanking oh, on. Oh my God. Thank Judgebot. you. Judgebot. You, yeah, you just listed my entire SNL reel uh, for that's everyone. It, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's thank you for that. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm not, listen, this is going to paint a different picture of who I really am, but with my brothers, my brothers and I, we're going to go see uh, Dead and Company, Dead and Co., who it's the surviving members of the Grateful Dead. Sure. Oh, I, yeah. I yeah, understand. and along with John Mayer, we're going to go to the mm-hmm. Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, I've, I have seen that same, I've seen the, the members of the Grateful Dead. <clears throat> they were with Joan Osborne as opposed to sure. John Mayer when I saw them. Yeah, uh, what if God was a one of us? The, the what Joan if Osborne. God was one of us, lady, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we're going to do that. Maybe I'll wear a costume to the Hollywood Bowl. It's October 30th. I think if you're going to see uh, members of the Grateful Dead Halloween week, Jerry Garcia. That's the cop. Maybe one of the bears. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the psychedelic teddy bear Grateful Dead? Or a skeleton. But it have to be like a hippie skeleton. Like, like you've, got, you've got a lay on or like a rose, a, a flower crown or something. Just a skeleton spooky. Hippie dancing skeleton Grateful Dead. That's a key difference. Right, right. So skeleton with a flower crown. Flower crown, and I feel like you got to do that. Just keep truck and walk, where you keep your top part, you keep your the top half of your body way back, and then you put your legs oh, way yeah. forward while you walk, <laughs> like Mister Natural. Here's here's the thing. I know that there are some people under thirty who must listen to Binge Boys. We want you to stop. So I'm going to exclusively I'm going to exclusively make references to Mister Natural and keep on trucking and shit from the late 1960s. Exclusively R. Crumb references. For uh, the rest I of love this some R. Crumb. Great documentary, if uh, by the way, uh, Crumb from Terry Zweigoff. And but he drew a lot of these, like Mister Natural yes. and the guy doing the keep on trucking walk. Oh yeah, with the, with the you you got you would recognize it if you saw it. That old cartoon. Yeah, of the guy man. Nineteen sixties San Francisco. R. Crumb hanging out with the dead. It's like the POV is you're at his feet and you're tiny and he's huge, so you can barely see the top of the guy, but the, the legs and the feet walking are very big. It's mm-hmm. like it's like trippy, you know. Good times. Lon, what do you say we <laughs> jump into the news? Did it, did it, did it, did it. I thought we were just going to keep talking about like best Grateful Dead album. Are you a Grateful Dead fan or are you just going to this concert? That's my question. Like most things I'm into, I'm a tourist in the world. I'm, like, I'm not so you're a not, diehard. You're not, I couldn't ask you like your favorite Blues for Allah or Terrapin Station song. You're not no, on that level. No, but my okay. brothers, my brother Scott, who's a bit older than me, he was around when the actual dead were together. For mo- He's mm-hmm. been to over 200 dead shows in his life. Nice, yes, because when oh, I yeah. saw them, they played a bunch of the Blues for Allah album, which was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. A bunch of songs you don't think you're going to see live. And now the news with 
on. <laughs> HBO renewed Succession for a fourth season. The season three premiere drew about 1.4 million viewers across all platforms. That's a record, Hal, for Whoa. the series. 1.4 million. People have been waiting. People were upset that there wasn't Succession during uh, the pandemic. And sure. they're, they were happy. They were chomping at the bit. Because it's been two years since the last new Succession season. Mm-hmm. And I think that... This is evidence that during that interim, people have been catching up. They had all the whole pandemic. Yes. A lot of people probably jumped on the succession train over the mm-hmm. last year. And now that it's season three, they're chomping at the bit. They're ready to go. It's also interesting. 1.4 million. I mean, that's a lot of people. It is. But when you think of succession is one of the hottest shows on TV, it's not, it's not that many people. Like, it's still – we're talking about – this is like a Mad Men level, Breaking Bad level success. Yes, how many people watched the Cheers finale? 70 million? Exactly. Like yeah. when you used to talk about network TV shows, L.A. Law had an audience that if L.A. Law one week got 1.4 million, NBC executives would have been jumping out the window. It yes. would have been a fucking disaster. Oh, th- there would like, be, a, yeah, a spate of suicides in Hollywood. Right. It, the fact that we've adjusted so much, TV has changed so much that now legitimately one of the most talked about beloved shows on TV is pulling 1.4 million and celebrating mm-hmm. is like a huge difference from how Very it weird. Be. I mean, there's also, just so many more every, shows. Yeah, not every house has HBO. Not everyone watches the same thing. We live in the boutique viewing experience world. And uh, that's it. Exa- exactly. So, uh, and also season two won seven Emmys, including Best Drama Series. So there's been a lot of hype. People are going to continue to catch up. Now, both creator Jesse Armstrong and star Brian Cox have hinted there may not be that many seasons left to go after this one. We may wrap up Succession after season five, season six. That's That sounds like where most of the estimates are at. Mm, mm. Have you heard about Brian Cox's new autobiography where he's like— I have, where he just trashes everyone in Hollywood. Yeah, he's just like lobbing lobbing salvos at people, uh, just incendiary things, uh, you know, going after uh, Johnny Depp, who's, uh, you know, Johnny Depp. It's not not that hard to go after him nowadays, but yeah. The one that was shocking to me, because all the other ones I was like, yeah, old crotchety Brian Cox probably doesn't like that guy. The one that was shocking to me was Michael Caine. Did you oh, see yeah. that? Mm-hmm. He seemed like, oh, you know, I mean, he's, a, he's iconic. He does what he does, but he just does what he's like, Michael Caine, one of the great living actors of our time? Yeah, like, Brian I, Cox, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, not loving it, not loving it. That's Michael crazy. Caine. I, that, that's just a rivalry or something. That's not real. Conversely, he thought Morgan Freeman was a consummate gentleman. Morgan Freeman, who didn't he marry his step-granddaughter? But I don't know. I don't know if they're married or dated. They're, they're they're not. They are not family relation. They're not blood, not relations, blood relation. But it's creepy. That's yeah, that's all a, I wanted to get across. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not defending it. A lot of people relate that story and they leave in the part where it's incestuous. And I just want to get that across to you, folks. Lon, it's, Lon. it's just creepy. It's not in violation of, you know, God's and biology's law. Lon, noted grandpa-granddaughter relationship defender. I didn't, that, I just said I don't defend I it know, because I, they're related I kid, to I kid. Yes, yes. It's, we're, we're in like some uh, Sunni territory here. I think that's a great. I think that's a great example because yeah. the obviously the Dylan Woody Allen situation. Everybody agrees, gross, awful, wrong. If, if he did it, a huge horrific violation. The Sun Yi thing. It's like 
it's true. We all know it's true, and it's gross. But it's like it's like hard to pinpoint exactly what. Like it, 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 it's it's one of those things you feel why it's wrong. Yes, I mean it's. It, you can't describe why it's he wrong. seemed to be in a parental capacity. It seems yeah. like grooming. Did it start when she was underage? Uh, so if yes, uh, that then it's a then it's a crime. End of story. We don't know that though. It's just so, a weird, yeah. right? He seems like he's trying to get get across a, like a technicality, and it's like no, no. When it comes to just being a creep. There are no technicalities. It's just a binary. Like you don't. Lon, I feel like you're doing the audience a disservice by not saying this whole thing in your classic Woody Allen impression. What what are we talking about? This is crazy. You're gonna gonna try to get out of it in some kind of technicality or something? I mean, I I don't understand. What what am I? What am I? Cancel? Is the cancel coming for me? Listen, I'm I'm glad someone is coming for me because I'm 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 like I'm I'm all alone in my apartment eating this corned beef. Listen, I I, I object to these charges. I, I object. I strenuously object. Now, um, c- come see me playing the uh, clarinet, the blue note. I'll be, I'll be the blue note with my clarinet. <laughs> this is, I have to tell you, folks, you're getting some, you're getting a real insight into the Jewish male psyche. Because the thing is, we all grow up doing Woody Allen. Like, we all know Woody Allen impressions. And now that he's hated and loathed and you can't really talk about him anymore, we're all sitting on these Woody Allen impressions we're not allowed to do. And it's very frustrating. You know how Joe Rogan said that white men aren't going to be able to talk <laughs> a few years yeah, or whatever the fuck Yeah, it's the same thing. It's, a, it's just about Jews and Woody and impressions, Allen impressions. Yes. They're, 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 they're coming for all my impressions. I'm not going to be able to do any impressions in a couple of years. I feel like we, this is a thing that, that uh, black dudes and Jewish dudes can probably commiserate about because Bill Cosby impressions, I feel like, are the same way. Right, right. Like a whole generation grew up doing Bill Cosby impressions, and mm-hmm. including myself, probably shouldn't have been, still was. But me uh, too, me too. Everybody in the eighties had the like the Jello pudding line that you could do, or like he's a play, he's a jazz musician. That but, wait, so are you but, saying uh, is it wrong? Is it wrong for me to go Rudy? No, morally wrong, no. It's just there's a lot fewer opportunities to do it in yes. 2021. He's no longer a beloved public figure that people no. are delighted when you suddenly pull out their voice. I think he should still be in jail. I've said that before in this podcast. Wow, wow. bold stand from nothing. But I think rapists should go to prison. Yes, indeed. You heard it here first, folks. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Yeah, Legendary please. and WB Greenlit, the sequel to Dune. Uh, Two Spice, Two... I don't know. A lot of people tried to, to pull that off online. I didn't see a really good one. Two Dune, Two Spicy? Two, uh, you know, yeah. or Toon with a two, or like right. however you do your funny... your funny. You would pick your favorite Dune sequel formulation here and just pretend that's the one that I went with. Uh, the film earned more than $40 million in North American theaters, and that's Ooh. while also de- debuting on HBO. You remember we talked about this last week. That was more than good enough mm. for... It's the top release of Denis Villeneuve's career, and it's the biggest of biggest opening theatrically of any of those films that went both to theaters and HBO Max at the same time it beat out. Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, In the Heights, it did better than all of those in terms of both, it was available everywhere all at once. Oh, In the uh, Heights, does, crap the bed. Yeah, it does not, I, you know, I don't know if that was totally fair mm-hmm. I, I, how like how well was in the heights ever going to do we have seen 
even shows that are smash hits on Broadway sometimes Hansen. struggle. Right, p- perfect example. Yeah, that was that won a bunch of Tonys. It was the biggest new oh, yeah. show of its year, mm-hmm. and it really struggled to find an audience as a movie. And now you're talking about. <clears throat> in the Heights, bear in mind, not even a blockbuster on Broadway became more notable later because of Hamilton. Like, yes. it's Lin-Manuel's first show. Mm-hmm. So when Hamilton blew up, everybody was like, oh, I'm retroactively now much more interested in In the Heights' his earlier show. I mean, yeah. it was a hit. I'm not trying to say it wasn't a hit, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, let me re- re- let me retroactively uh, uh, promote In the Heights one more time. We talked about it on the show. Worth watching. It's a, it's a, it's a fun watch. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm not even like the biggest movie musical guy. Well, same I, here. Same here. Like uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. So there you go. Anyway, uh, it does not look like we will get tune until uh, at least late 2023. Seems like at the earliest. Like the, at the at the soonest they could get the movie produced in the second half of 2022, maybe for a late 2023 debut. So we're, we're still a little ways off. Part of me was like wondering, did they just go ahead and film it back to back with the original? It's, they did it, not. Oh, oh yeah. No. I guess they they did part one as its own thing. And then they're going, they were going to see, you know, cause this is, these are, these are $200 million movies. They should have done a Lord of the Rings style and just done back to back. These are very, very expensive. And I think neither legendary nor WB wanted to put the money out there until they dipped their toe in and made sure there was a lot of interest in Dune. And I think that that's what they're, it's not necessarily even that the first Dune is going to make all of its money back. Cause at this point it doesn't look like it's going to, it's mm-hmm. just, there's enough interest in Dune culturally yes. that they're like we want to be in the dune business. Oh yeah. So they're going to make been dune a too. Meme, a meme bonanza. Right. They're doing this HBO Benegaseret show. Like I think they're investing in this as we want Dune to be an ongoing IP property we could do stuff with. Oh, what's the Benegaseret show? Okay, so the, you saw Dune. Yes. Correct. Yeah, we're yes, going to talk about it We're actually going to talk about Dune later on the podcast. Exactly. So the Bene Gesserit are the organization of like the witches, like Lady oh, Jessica, yes, yes, yes. Paul's mom. She's in, and, and uh, Charlotte Rampling with the Gom Jabbar, the Reverend Mother. Yes. That's the Bene Gesserit. They are a uh, all female group of magical users, and they have their own kind of long term plans for the universe. It's a lot of machinations, a lot of like almost like the Dune version of spycraft or what have you. And so we're going to have a show that is just about members of their order and some of their secret plans that they are enacting across the universe, separate from the narrative of House Atreides and Dune and all that stuff that's happening. Awesome. What's the name of the witches again? The Bene Gesserit. Bene Gesserit. That sounds like B-E-N-E space G-E-S-S-E-R-I-T. Gotcha. Something like that. Um, by the way, Charlotte Rampling, uh, you, you mentioned her. Uh, anytime yeah. I get a Charlotte Rampling reference, gotta reference one of my favorite films from the early 80s, Paul Newman's The Verdict. Sidney Lumet directed. Uh, you could do a lot worse than watching The Verdict, uh, folks. I, I like I like The Verdict a lot. It's just it's not it's not a movie you expect to hear somebody just pull out. Paul Newman's performance is just on point. He plays this ambulance chaser who's an alcoholic who's trying to redeem himself. He takes on a massive troublesome case, and uh, yeah, Charlotte Rampling's great. Uh, Sydney, great uh, vintage uh, Sidney Lumet. We get it. You're very cultured. Jeez. Uh, oh, so speaking of high for. culture, uh, yes. fine art. High culture? 
Yeah. Production has started on the Kardashian-Jenner family's latest reality series. Oh, Lon, that was a real bait and switch. This one's for Hulu. This is part of, remember, they made a mega deal last year with Disney, the entire Kris Jenner and the Kardashian clan. So mm. this is the first project that's going to come out of that. It's going to Hulu. Uh, the executive producer of the James Corden show, Ben Winston, is behind it. So okay. that guy on trial for crimes against humanity someday, if I have my druthers. <laughs> See, yeah, I knew, I knew when the E! show ended, I'm like, oh, we may not see the last of them. Oh, of course, of <laughs> course. It was always just a question of where they were going to land. Let it. me ask you this, Lon. Are we set up for the, the, the North and the Saint show and all of their, and the Stormy show? Like, are the generations just going to keep uh, spawning more and more? And is it just going to be a yeah, family I mean, I think tree of point, a million and one shows? The, the, that, that E show was on for 20 years, which is a mm -hmm. full, that's a full generation. So, I mean, wow. if, there, if there's going to be that kind of ongoing interest, then yeah, I don't see any reason why not. The only, the only thing is, I feel like it really is, we got to get a sense for... The, the the personalities of young North and like these kids, you know, are they are they Jaden and Willow? Because like Jaden and Willow wouldn't want to be tied to a reality show. Right. They've got other plans. Uh -huh. They're gonna act. They're gonna they're making heavy metal songs. You know, like well, their Jaden and Willow's parents actually have talent. Well, who knows what we're coming up with in this Kanye Kim Kardashian brew that we've got? Oh yeah, I, you know, I I I take that back. Kanye does have talent. Yeah, so, like, we don't know what we're coming out with yet. I, I would say if they, as kids, turn out to be of a similar stripe than the rest of the family, then, yeah, we're probably going to have this reality franchise for the rest of our natural lives. Right on. Uh, let me ask you one more question. Lauren. One more. I, I had one more thing I wanted oh, to add about this story that ahead, I think is ahead, interesting. So uh, there is a person who is credited with discovering the Kardashians who was an executive producer and creator on the original show, he gets to keep the executive producer credit on this show. Any guesses to who I'm talking about? It may surprise you. Ryan Seacrest? It's Ryan Seacrest, everybody. That is correct. Mm. Ryan Seacrest, how many tens of millions of dollars must he have made at this point off of this family? He has nothing to do with this new series, but just because he was the executive producer of the last one, he still gets a little... He lives he in a to golden wet his castle in the sky, Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, he still gets, still gets to wet his whistle on this one. <laughs> let me dip, just let me dip yeah, my beak. Wet his let beak. me wet dip, his let beak. me wet my beak. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch will play the former KGB agent and Russian defector Alexander Litvinenko. Litvinenko? Yes, Litvinenko. Sounds, that sounds, that sounds right. good. Is he the one that got poisoned, or is he? He is. He's the. Yeah. It's the an HBO series London grad. He's of course the former Russian agent who was poisoned with polonium two ten while living in England. The adaptation comes from the All the Money in the World writer David Scarpa, and the director is Brian Fogel, who won an Oscar for that documentary expose Icarus. Do you see Icarus? Yes. The one about Olympics and, and the cheating and yes. the scandal? Yes, and, and then the one guy took the uh, took the drug cycles. Correct. Also a Russia thing, right? He's just like, doesn't like, doesn't doesn't care for those Russians. Yeah, no, he's going to poke holes in everything Russian that he can. He's going to take them down. Putin's coming for this guy. He was rooting for Rocky up against Drago, I heard. Yeah, well, we all were, we all were doing that. Um, most of us. Were you were, were you rooting for Ivan Drago? I don't want to get into it, Lon. <laughs> wow, I've all got right. some complicated feelings. How so, watching Rocky Four is like if he dies, he dies. Yes, I'm like, all right, you know what? Uh, hey, Apollo it was a good run, <laughs> but. Mm. 
Wow, mm-hmm. you're also voting for you're also voting for Clubber Lang. That's too far. That's too far. No, uh, uh, he killed a Drago killed Apollo. Right. No, I know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was rooting for yeah. I was rooting for Clubber. I was like I thought I was just assuming you're you're just anti Apollo Creed just generally. Oh yes, and I was rooting for um, you know. Listen, I didn't like when when Clubber Lang killed Mickey. I was like, you know what? <laughs> you're like, got uh, it. You're like, the guy's you're like, old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I like that uh, you know they were true to Mickey's Jewish roots <laughs> in his. In his funeral, I don't think Rocky sat Shiva though. I don't think I don't know where Rocky's ever. I'd like to hear just Rocky just like ask. I want to hear him just say the word Shiva. Um, oh, the one thing, all the money in the world. I get is that. Which which is the one where Christopher Plummer replaced uh, uh, Spacey? That's which all is, the money in the world. Oh, what is the, and then what is the one with? Donald Sutherland about the same trust. Trust that was a FX series yes, called yes, Trust. Yes, yes. Gotcha. The FX series versus the uh, the theatrical. I watched movie, them both, but, so I actually can compare contrast if you would like me to. Um, just uh, which is superior? I liked the movie a little better. I think that the show the show felt a little bit like the Ryan Murphy yes. over the top gaudy cartoon version whereas the movie I felt like Ridley Scott brought a little bit more gravitas and sort of realism to it that I appreciate it also looked looked great uh you know you got Michelle Williams acting her ass off in there yeah. uh I I would go with the Ridley Scott version gotcha and there is it's there's one scene where it's Getty's in the background, so mm-hmm. you can see why they thought they could get away with it, and mm-hmm. they clearly did not replace Kevin Spacey. Oh. It's like a bunch of alien. You can see it's, it's like the distance, and he's got the, you know, he's made up to look like Getty, and, and you know, it's like, yes. ah, they, oh, they're close enough. They were like, ah, nobody's going to notice. Gotcha. Because, yeah, that's the one where they, they literally animated over. They dropped Plummer in on top of Kevin Spacey. Oh, yes, and they did the same thing for that Kevin Spacey Oscar selfie. According to Hulu, Only Murders in the Building was its most popular original comedy series ever. That's of all time. Hulu Originals President Craig Erwich said it's not even particularly close. It's a clear winner. Uh, Parrot Analytics data backs this up. Uh, they're, they're saying their data showed that even at the very first episode of Only Murders, it was already getting 16 times more social discussion and engagement than the average U.S. streaming show. Damn. And that continued to go up over the course of its season. Mm-hmm. Uh, season two already been ordered and it starts production next month. So we'll get more Only Murders soon. It's hard to beat that cast. It's like that, that cast meets like all quadrants. You know? Yeah, I think I think that was probably part of the success too. Was that they're hitting the older crowd with Steve Martin and Martin Short, mm-hmm. but you're also getting curiosity and younger people to check you out because you're bringing in Selena Gomez. And yes, it's almost surprising more shows don't do stuff like that. Like you would think there'd be a lot more of that, like cross cultural or cross generational collision trying to grab multiple different audiences instead of just, you know, it feels like a lot of shows always try to, like, hit the the bullseye exactly. Yeah, like, how about a buddy comedy show with Betty White and Northwest? Well, but that almost, I feel like, Betty White, it's, she's, like, it's too extreme. So, like, she's too old. Now it's just everybody loves Betty White. That's just, she's kind of stands on its own. Okay. I'm thinking, like, somebody who's, like, popular with olds but doesn't necessarily have a younger audience, mm-hmm. but then somebody who's popular with youngs who maybe doesn't necessarily have an older audience. All right, come on. Let's figure out the perfect combo here, Alon. 
So I'm saying like a guy like a like a Brian Cranston, like he's got a like he's got a huge dad audience at this point, right? Yes, but the youngs, the youngs love Breaking Bad. Your thinking, I would argue, is now outdated. Like, okay. if you're a white dude of dad age, you love a Cranston, okay, or even an Odenkirk. And I'd be oh. like, so you, you you get you get the white dads in there in that way, and then you, how do you get like the you know like the the urban teens, a uh, sweetie? Do you maybe put Sweetie in there? Okay. All right. So Brian, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston and Sweetie. And I feel like now we've now we're cooking with gas. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And, and, right. Uh, Brian Cranston and Sweetie are running a beauty empire. Love it. This is fantastic. Like succession in the beauty world. Maybe he started the company, mm-hmm. but he's like, I can't. Nobody wants to buy black lady hair care products from me. Okay. It's a very specific. He brings her in to be like the girl boss front woman to run the company. Mm-hmm. And he'll be behind the scenes. It's a Remington Steel play, but you you swap the genders and you update it to modern day. Gotcha. And thank you once again for alienating control. our audience under 30 with the Remington Steel reference. Yeah, always. <laughs> So then our crumb comes in. No, I'm kidding. All right, that, but uh, I like your uh, I, I like your Cranston Sweetie combo. There you go, uh, Lon. Do you, you just say Sweetie or do you say Sweetie? I, I think it's just Sweetie. But she's like, putting an A in a, there. Sometimes I put a little half syllable in there. I don't know if I'm supposed to put the A in. Well, there. what do you, you say? What do you say when you uh, roll up to McDonald's and order her meal? I just say, give me the number three. Oh, and they they, they know it's me, so they're like, oh, it's Harris. Give him the Sweetie meal. Okay. Because uh, you, you you try all the Travis Scott meal, the Sweetie meal. Yeah. If the BTS, they got that BTS meal. BTS meal. There's a new Kanye meal uh, based on his Burger King order. In- Did BTS, does there, do they choose that name because that means behind the scenes? Or is I that like know. a Korea to America thing? Oh, I wish but I had BTS more already, knowledge. Can't, you can't have that acronym, boy. You seem like a very sweet boys, but you can't have that acronym. It already means behind the scenes. I'm sorry. No, but you can have an acronym that is something else or means something else. No, I'm afraid you can't. I also have this this same problem with ASAP Rocky. Like, I'm sorry. You can't. Nope. That means as soon as possible. That does not mean your name. You got to take that up with all the ASAPs because there's an ASAP Ferg. There's like. Yeah. Oh, I have have an open letter out to ASAP Ferg. Well, you you better send that letter out ASAP. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> IMDb TV ordered a first season for the single camera comedy uh, Primo. This comes from Good Place creator Mike Schur and Ooh. writer Shay Serrano. It's based on Serrano's early life growing up with a single mom and five uncles in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Serrano, interesting fun fact here, he's a ringer writer. He hosts the hip-hop podcast No Skips. He's also the very first Mexican-American author in history to get three different books on the New York Times bestseller list. Very cool. I'm a, fa- I'm a fan of him. I, I listen to a a lot of his commentary on the ringer i like his basketball uh commentary and uh yeah he's a he's got his finger on the pulse of pop culture i enjoy shea serrano yeah i uh i was gonna tell this story i got hired at one point it never happened mm-hmm. i wrote a show bible and came up with a concept for a show based on a different book by shea serrano he does these they're whether they're, they're sort of Collections of essays about a topic, but they, they, they sort of drift. So he's got basketball and other things, mm-hmm. hip-hop and other things, and then movies and other things. Yes. And I got hired by a company that wanted to make an unscripted show out of movies and other things. Gotcha. And and I like laid out the whole, here's what the, the format would be, and mm-hmm. here's how it would sort of unfold. And we came up with a whole show Bible, and then uh, nobody bought it. But 
I'm glad. I'm glad somebody bought a different project because he's a he's a very good writer. Well, you should dust that uh, Bible off. It's and not up shop to me. I don't own anything. It was this company owns. They you know they, they optioned the rights to that book from him, and then they were pitching it around like, "Hey, Amazon, make this show," and everybody was like, "Get out of my office." But I thought it was a good pitch. You know what? I would agree. I wasn't in those meetings. I don't know how it went over. Maybe they liked it and just didn't make the show, or maybe they were like, get out of my office. Damn it. Throwing things at them. I don't know. I wasn't invited. Well, I, I would have bought it in the room. I was. I once had pitched a fantasy show, and I was invited to the pitch meetings, and the mm-hmm. CEO of a very big company told me that they weren't going to make the show because it had flashbacks, and they don't think flashbacks worked on TV. And you can't argue when you're in the room, but feels like a lot of shows kind of have flashbacks. I don't know about that one. Yeah. That that's just seems arbitrary. That just like, seems like a lost? random thought. I mean, Lost is kind of built entirely around flashbacks. Yeah. Like Folks, I don't know. That's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, so there you go. Mike Schur, Shea Serrano, IMDb TV. Buy it. Like, they're becoming a network. They're buying a bunch of shows now. I guess. Uh, I, I don't even know where I can find it's it. It's not up to you. Yeah. <laughs> you find it on uh, IMDb. That's, that's gotcha. Just go to an IMDb page, and you'll notice a lot of them now have a yellow play button, and it says, watch this on IMDb TV. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, and you can. Or you could just go to IMDb TV. I mean, do they have a show yet that is uh, character actors of the 1970s and like just list their credits? No, it's shows, you know, like they're just making I think shows. IMDb needs to IMDb a little bit more. You know what I mean? Wow. I like IMDb doing IMDb things. You like a man at a desk in a suit, and he's just got a printed out list of actors, yes, and he's come just on. reading credits. Yes, I love it. I love it. I'm greenlighting that without you saying another word. That is li- that is literal IMDb TV. It just sounds boring and awful. No, I would sign up for that. I, Believe me, I'll just as, listen. I'll, like it, you I, could have it on in the background, and it's like, oh wait, I know that guy. I like that show. I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm so in for that. I'm an IMDb purist. Okay, almost slipped into Woody. I'm like, I I love this. This is a fa- what a fantastic show. I I I I'm always watching things. I'm curious. Like, who made? Who was in the production department on this? And now I've got this whole. I've got a t- television show. Yes. telling me this is fantastic. I, exactly. See, for real. There, you know, there are marriage purists out there who thinks uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. They're buffoons that, that are. Uh, that are hateful because I'm a I'm trying to put it into terms everyone can understand. I'm an IMDb purist. I you you you're, you've you've lost me. What what does this have to do with your? So you're a bigot. You're you're saying you're you're comparing yourself to bigots. No. Yes. Yes, I am. But okay. I don't like I, their. Now yes. I understand. I, but, that I knew. I did know that. Listen, I I believe in uh, I believe love is love. Very pro-gay marriage, trans lives matter. I am right there. But let me just say, IMDb, stick to what you're good at. Bring the dance with the girl who brung you. <laughs> and, and that the girl who brung you is lists of who made <laughs> all the movies. I just want lists. <laughs> just lists. That's yes. all he wants, folks. Just lists. Credits. Uh, yes. So, it, but it, it's not. It's their shows. They just have commercials. That's the one. It's basically just Amazon Prime Video, but if it had commercials, that's all. 
Uh, and it's free. You don't have to. You don't have to have like a. You don't have to. You don't subscribe. The day we review an IMDb show on Binge Boys is the day you can put me in the ground. Wow. Well, you're gonna change your tune because next week, just next week. Judy Justice debuts on IMDb TV. Oh, let's watch Ju- it and talk about it. Let's the new watch it Judge okay. Judy show, and you're okay. definitely going to watch that. All right, I'm in. Did you hear that she fired her bailiff, by the way, and she made her granddaughter her new bailiff? Her granddaughter's her bailiff? What does that even mean? Her granddaughter is taking over as her bailiff for the new IMDb That's show. That's a but, slap in the face to bailiffs. But yeah, you know, I mean, like we don't. I don't know his name, but as soon as I say Judge Judy's bailiff, you're all picturing the guy. We yes. all know the guy. I remember what Judge Wapner's bailiff was. Wow. Named. That's. That's from a while back. Keep on trucking. Yeah, Rusty. (laughs) Rusty the bailiff. Rusty. (laughs) All bailiffs have to be named Rusty. Judge Judy's granddaughter has to change her name to Rusty now to be a bailiff. Here's a schmodown question for you. I'm bad at those. uh, What what film features the quote, 10 minutes to Wapner? It's Rain Man. You got it. You just won the schmodown. I'm very smart. A report from The Verge based on internal Netflix documents shows that while the streamer was publicly defending its decision to release cuties, they were also algorithmically hiding it from new viewers on the platform. You guys remember cuties. This was the French film that it was It was about the, the filmmaker's intention was to decry the way that Western societies sexualize young girls. But Mm -hmm. then in Netflix's marketing for the movie, they used images of sexualized young girls, and it upset a whole lot of people. It led to the hashtag cancel Netflix, or boycott Mm -hmm. Netflix was very big for several weeks. People got really hung up on this. And if you see, even to this day, if people are upset about Netflix for something else, like they don't like some trailer or something, they go right back. Cuties is always like, oh, you guys is going to defend pedophilia again. So this was a big black eye for Netflix when this happened. Yeah. So we have now learned while they were out in public defending cuties, mm-hmm. privately, they were hiding it across the platform, basically trying to keep people from finding it, even as they were defending it. Uh, the film didn't appear in the coming suit or the popular searches categories, even when it was at the very height of discussion and probably would have been watched a bunch, and it was excluded from otherwise relevant search terms, including just the word cute. So if you went to Netflix and just typed in cute, you would not find cuties. You had to type in the exact word, which is what I did to go watch it. So you're saying they essentially shadow banned cuties. They Right. They, they sort of – and that's, that's what I think is interesting is we knew they had these tools at their disposal that they could basically – they could decide what everybody's seeing or not seeing. Oh, yeah. It's I think just, Netflix can control Netflix. Right. But which is, it's just interesting to note that – they're what they're how they're managing that system doesn't necessarily line up to what they're saying publicly, even as they're outspokenly defending their right to have the movie. They weren't necessarily trying to put it in front of, yeah, that, that, that's tough because it, it is it is totally double speak here. They uh, and yeah. it, it and it's such a it is a bit of a weird issue because the, the movie seems to be made in an 
in an earnest, thoughtful way, this woman who was an immigrant in France trying to tell this story. It's I didn't watch it. It's not meant to be sexy. The yeah, movie not is not Korean look pornography. at these hot young girls. It's about, they're, they're, the, they're the protagonists. It's from their perspective. Yeah. There is one scene that is, like, there's one scene that is very, this is a French movie. Like, if this was gotcha. an American movie where the girls are, they're 12 and 13, and they are dancing, they're learning this dance routine, and it is, right. it is very... You know, there's a lot of gyrating. It's inappropriate for girls their age. It's in the movie. Immediately afterwards, the movie lets us know this was not okay. It's bad that this was happening. And then there's consequences and what have you. But I, I, I wouldn't necessarily want to have to defend Might that have scene. Gone a I feel like far. you yeah, could have just... made the movie without that scene. But overall, the movie is not trying to be porny or sexualized. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it intended that at all. Having not seen it, uh, uh, I. Oh, look at this guy. Oh, well, sound off about uh, let me, stuff you haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, let me get on a soapbox about this thing. Yeah, wow. But no, but I'm just going to say on the flip side, yeah, there was, <laughs> and you you essentially said this, there was some bad optics along with the movie and the advertising campaign. So, right. Yeah. So there you go. So that, that's, uh, that's, that's what was happening with The Verge and their internal cuties documents this week. Uh, bringing, bringing that back again. We didn't have enough of... Cuties gate. Um, Lon, that, we were talking about that uh, just to let everyone at home know. We were talking about uh, the offending uh, image that was like in the on the, like some of the cuties advertising. Lon has a poster of it on his wall. Again, the dynamite visual gags here on uh, on binge voice. Just you can kidding. always count Lon on us. Doesn't have a cuties poster. I got on a the cuties wall. poster and then a Dan Flash's shirt hanging uh, side by side on the wall behind me. I wish that was nearby so I could see. Yeah. It. Uh, after the show, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll go grab it. Oh, cool! Uh, and I also sent you some trailers. Oh yes, I watched uh, so them. So we got to talk about these them. real quick because it's already been. We're, 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 oh yeah, we're, we're burning podcast daylight here. The Dune and uh, our other reviews will be uh, brief. We'll, we'll we'll jam through. Yeah. Uh, so first, I sent you The Witcher season two. Uh, that's a new season of The Witch. Did you watch The Witcher season one? Were you a season one fan? No, I didn't. But I, I did. I did attend uh, an activation for it. I, oh I interviewed well, the cast. you attended the yeah, that's in Hollywood. They say if you've attended the activation, no need you to even watch the show. Watch. That's how we feel. Juan, do us a favor. Sing a little bit of The Witcher song. Oh, you go. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, toss a coin to your Witcher, oh Valley of Plenty. That's how. That's how The Witcher song goes. <laughs> Very nice. So this handsome witcher is traveling the land, killing monsters, and now there's going to be, in season two, I just watched, uh, there's going to be a civil war. It's been brewing. I mean, the civil war was brewing in season one. And is the war between humans and monsters? No, it's it's human, human kingdoms. Basically, Gotcha. the witcher is a monster killer. So think like freelance gig economy. He's riding between human villages. Like, you guys got a monster problem? Go on the app, just pick Witcher Black, and then I'll show up. It'll be like $12. Monster killer. Yeah. Also a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. Right. <laughs> so so it's, it's that kind of thing. Uh, so he does not have like a, a country or an army. He's just like a roving drifter right. who freelance kills monsters. So the, this is just like the backdrop. It's happening against the backdrop of all this political turmoil or what have you. Gotcha. Uh, also, one thing I noticed about, and I didn't realize there was this kind of world crossover. Groot is in Witcher season two. You see that? I mean, yeah, like not not Groot, a, a, a living tree, a a monster tree. Groot. 
Well, I mean, like, there there are other, like, Lord of the Rings has a, a talking tree, and he's not Groot. You, you, Wait, he isn't? experienced talking trees. I thought all... Treebeard is not Groot, you oh, son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you not recognize the difference between a Groot and an Ent? That's just ignorant, Al. Okay. You know what? I've got to reevaluate everything. You got, like, you got your, got your tree people mixed up? That's... I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be the guy who can't keep his tree Americans uh, separated. I done messed up. Yeah, really. It's like, oh, oh, oh! All living, all talking, sentient trees look the same to you, don't they? Sadly, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's that's The Witcher season two. I'm looking forward to it as a fan of season one. Season one did this weird timeline thing where there was three different narratives and they were all jumping around in time, but they didn't let you know they were jumping around in time. So it wasn't until like episode eight that you're like, oh, that was happening way before this and that's why it doesn't link mm. up right. But like, I don't I don't necessarily think that it, it helped. Like, I think it almost would have been better if we just went through the, all the, I liked it, but I think it would have been better if we just went through all the action. I'm hoping season two, it's a little bit more like, just get me to the monsters. I just wanted the fantasy and the monsters. I don't need the narrative yeah. Tarantino stuff. You don't have to give us uh, fucking Rashomon here. Yeah, I don't have to jump around that much. It's just fun to see Henry Cavill and be surly and fight monsters. And that's that's really all I need. There was a rap song in the trailer about monsters. I, w- I wonder if it was made for The Witcher or did they just uh, repurpose a song? That's Inspector Deck and Monster Killer from uh, the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> they, did a, they did a song. Like... I think it would be awesome if there was if the theme or if just for the trailer they made a rap song like specifically about the Witcher. It's like Henry Cavill's coming to town. Look out, he's the Witcher. He's gonna get ya. DJ Khaled. It's perfect. It's, ex- it's exactly what the song should sound like. Yeah, there'd be a little R and B interlude in the middle. Dropping some sick ass beats. Yeah, it would. It would be fire. It would be fire. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, that was the other, I sent you another trailer, it's the full trailer for the, now, Cowboy Bebop, is this an anime series that you've seen? Yes. Yeah, so, what did you think of this live action take on the world? Oh, no, I've never, but I've never actually seen the anime series. (laughs) Okay, that's what I was asking, yeah. So you have not, you don't know I I know that it exists, and, uh, listen. Well, there you go. I like, I like John Cho, and this bounty hunter situation looks super cool. Uh, it, it got me interested. It did its job. Now, Lon, yes, you've, you've got. I know you've got your. You've always got your ear to the ground. I do. What? What are the? I just p- fall over a lot. I'm not listening for anything. I just have balance. Inner. It's an inner ear issue. Oh, I thought you were making good use of it though. When you no, fall, I but, just. It just often you'll find my ear on the ground, and it's like, and if you see me like that, help me up. Oh, absolutely. Next time I'll give you a hand. But what are the uh, what are the purists saying about this trailer, Lon? I mean, you're never going to please everybody. Yeah. I think they know that. There's always going to be some level of cynicism. I think from fans, the big concern is there is an actual extra character in the animated series named Ed. Uh-huh. Uh, and she does not seem to appear. So far, we have no indication of what? is Ed even in this show. Okay, Two and, words. And, I'm out. And the the creators have said they're they they have plans. They're they're aware of this. It's not just that they left Ed out. There is a mechanism to bring this into the show. So we will just have to wait and see. But I feel like okay. that's what most of the fans right now are like. This is very strange. There was a big thing. Faye Valentine, the 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 female character Daniela yes. Pineda, is playing in the trailer. 
she her outfit in the show because it's an anime. Yes. Her outfit in the show, it's it's cool, it's very distinctive and iconic. It's not practical for live action. So they right. changed how that character they're they're it's echoing. They're 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 obviously trying to mirror it as best they can, but they changed the outfit that Faye Valentine is wearing. And and there are a lot of purists who are upset about that. You know, because people love these characters. They've dressed up as them mm-hmm. for years. It's an iconic look. But, you know, they got to do what they got to do. It's a live action world. It's implicitly going to be different. I think the one thing everybody's really excited about is the guy who did the music. The music for Cowboy Bebop, very distinctive. It has this kind of jazzy, oh, old yeah. school kind of soundtrack. They, they work that into the trailer. Um, it's one of the real key things that stands out about the show. The guy who did the original music for the original series is back doing the music for the new one, which is very cool. So I think that's the thing that has a lot of old school fans hyped is to hear the new soundtrack. I like that music, but wouldn't it be cool if there was like a hip hop soundtrack uh, just made specifically for Cowboy Bebop? I mean, it's, it's jazz is so part of the show. Oh, but what if it was like, like you he's a cowboy and he's bebopping along. He's a cowboy and I'm singing a song. Yeah. What a- Little Nas X, but EX. Like, yes. get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> last trailer we looked at, Tiger King 2. Yeah, even this more Tiger King. More Tiger King, Fob. Now, Carol Baskin, not in this one. She learned her lesson. They actually mm-hmm. tried to get her back in, but she felt she felt burned by season one. Apparently, Carol Baskin says when they showed up at uh, Big Cat Rescue and said, we want to make a show about you, they told her it was going to be like Blackfish. Like, they specifically yes. used Blackfish as the example. We want to do an expose about the cruelty of keeping tigers in captivity, and they did not tell her that their actual plan was to make a show about how hilarious and awesome the guy who was threatening to expose her as a murderess was. Yes, and one of the main subplots would be, did she murder her ex-husband? Her husband. So, she was not super happy about that, yeah. uh, and has not agreed to work uh, with them ever again. So no original footage of Carol Baskin this time, but Joe Exotic has kept in touch with the filmmakers. So a lot of him being interviewed from prison, uh, Jeff Lowe and his wife who took over the uh, zoo from him are in it. A lot of the other beloved, a lot of the other characters we met in the first Tiger King do return. And it's just a, it's just a year later update. Joe Exotic, Tiger King, walking around with bling bling, got a baseball cap, got a gun, looking for action, looking for fun. He's in jail. It's, I think that your career as a rap parodist would go better if you uh, listened to some rap. So I think that's what, next for next week, maybe, go to Spotify. Okay. They've got a brilliant playlist. It's called Get Turnt. Oh. T-U-R-N-T. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say just just listen to the, the the first ten or fifteen tracks you come across. All right, I'll give it and a then, taste. Because your because your 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 hip hop parody style it feels very like nineteen ninety three. Like sure. I kind of feel like uh, no diggity is having an outsized impact mm-hmm. on some of these songs. Yes. and I feel like it may need to it may need to come into the modern yes, era. Yes, you're I feel speaking like, my language. Yeah, okay. I feel I feel like we need uh, a little less like KRS one. Maybe and a little more Takashi Six Nine. That's <laughs> uh, what we need. I think. That's all right. I think that's what we need. I think if they don't have Lil in front of their name, pass them by. Next, okay. Next, next guy on. They gotta have a Lil in there somewhere. 
noted. That's it for the news. That's all the news I've got. Coming up, we're going to talk about Dune. Bitchin' the fuck out of shit. Dune. Lon, we touched on Dune last week. We just talked about Dune when we were doing the news. Can't the- get enough Dune. Got to keep talking about Dune. Yeah, the, we 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 both watched Dune. You watched it in the theater where it belongs. I watched it on um, an Apple Watch. Yeah, where the where its majesty can truly be appreciated. Yes. Now I watched it on HBO Max at home, and Dune is here on HBO Max and in the theaters. Before we even get into the movie itself, yes, watch movies wherever you like, folks. I don't understand this. I, I love a movie in a theater. I would never tell you don't go see something mm-hmm. in IMAX at a big screen. It's a great experience. I'm a big fan. But we're in this moment now where everybody's like at each other's throats about, no, there's a movie experience is in a theater. And it's like, I, I'm i going to be perfectly honest with you. Do it. I don't care where you watch a movie. Like, if I'm not involved... I think you should watch a movie wherever oh, you fucking like. like I disagree, I okay? There's one place where you shouldn't, well, there, there's one thing you shouldn't do as far as your movie watching goes. Watching it at full volume in a restaurant, parents and children. Oh, so you're saying kids when they have like their tablet and they're, they're blasting. Yes, uh, but even nowadays, like regular sized people do it. You're saying you've been in a restaurant and somebody's like on their phone, no headphones. They're just watching something at full volume. Yeah, we like we are I've in really end had times. This problem. Oh, people do it. People do it. I think it's because uh, you're dining out exclusively at Chick Fil A. No, I go to it's just Chick Fil A and Five Guys. I think if you went to a nicer no, place, no, I maybe. go to Hooters. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, you've got me there. Uh, I, I've never, I've never actually been in that situation. Definitely, um, there's like public transportation. Yes, like mm-hmm. a lot of the time, you'll be on the train or the bus, and there'll be somebody who's just like, "I got to catch up with my stories," and it's like, "Well, this is what headphones are for, sir." Like, this is not. I don't. Yes. I know you're enjoying Downton Abbey season five, but I don't need to keep up with what the Dowager Countess is up to. Get those AirPods and leave. Take me out of the equation. Like, if I'm not in the room, if I'm not involved, I yes. think you should watch the movie wherever you want to watch the movie. And I really don't even have an opinion about it. Like, I think it's fine. I don't I don't care. Like, yeah, it's up to you. I, I do. I mean, although the, the, the viewing experience at home gets, it's so much easier to interfere with it with phones. No, I'm saying, but again, that's but that's for you, Hal. Like, like for me, I like going to a theater, and I have all sorts of reasons. I'm no, just saying, I'm, I'm I saying don't care how other people in, do it. Yeah, it's like it's like if you came in here right now and you were like, last night I was enjoying a bowl of chili, and it was so thick and delicious, I was able to eat it with a fork. Now that's not the way you're supposed to eat chili, but I was able to do it. Mm-hmm. Usually, most people would use a spoon. This sure. would be like if I was like, "How fucking dare you? A spoon is used for chili. That's what we've always used. You fucking bitch. You piece <laughs> of shit. Like that would be uncalled for because it doesn't really have anything to do with me how you eat your chili. I get. I it. feel the same way about how people watch their Dune. Just gotta gotcha. put that out there. Okay. So if you watch Dune. I celebrate it. However you wanted to, if you watch it on one of those commemorative little Shrek-shaped TVs, good on you. I wish I saw it in the theaters. I'm very glad I did because Mm -hmm. I think, to me, one of the cool things that the movie is doing, 
Uh, and this was a thing that you get from the book and that uh, if you've seen the documentary Yodorowsky's Dune about that filmmaker who tried to make a Dune adaptation in the 70s, mm. they talk about this a lot as well, where it's really a story about like this massive scale. Like mm. by the year 10,000 in the distant future, yes. humanity has built these industrial systems and processes that are so much bigger than ours, that are so, that are so vast that we're, we're miniaturized by them. Like we shrink almost from existence mm -hmm. because of the size and the scale of our machines and our buildings and our technology. And I think that uh, the movie really captures that almost purely on a visual level. Like the characters are just dwarfed by everything. And he keeps... You, you're never unclear about where people are and what's going on. It's just the size of everything that's happening is almost a character in the movie, and it becomes overwhelming in a, in a good way. Uh, and it really, I think it has an emotional impact. Yeah, and it's, and it's all done so well. It's just gorgeous. Like I, I know some people who are like, oh, should I watch Dune? If, and if you're still on the fence, it's, it's just worth immersing yourself just going into this world because the music the uh the the scope of it, it it's something extremely epic it feels it it, it just it, it feels like something special uh Denny Villeneuve like really created just an immersive different world that has its own texture and feeling to it and then there's just so many cool moments too i mean i think the cast does a a great job I am obsessed with Stellan Skarsgård's character. I mean, he's the so Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, folks. Yes, uh, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. He <laughs> is just the 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 biggest lout, you know, just a disgusting, monstrous. Oh, I love that character. It's and interesting so, uh, in yeah. the in the David Lynch version. Yep. The Baron, it's similar, similar body type, and they both mm -hmm. have their floating, their floating suits. Yes, but uh, Lynch actually puts a, an element that's in the book that they did not use, where he's covered in boils. He's got skin, oh. he's got skin disease. So in the Lynch version, he's covered, like covered in these disgusting boils and mm -hmm. gross. And there's even a guy that's like popping his pimples for him. Amazing. Uh, and this version totally did away with that. He's he's smooth as silk, mm. but he's just this big white pasty blob type character who's even like sinking in ooze sometimes when we're seeing him it's yeah. it's 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 wonderful it's delightful. yeah oh yeah just a, a, a monster just a, a great heavy uh for the movie uh literally and figuratively and uh and timothy chalamet i mean uh he's uh and th what a beautiful cast he's a he he is the t listen i called val Kilmer oh my gosh a, we're, a are we entering boy. a second beautiful boy in our I mean, pantheon of beautiful he, well, boys timothy chalamet literally played a beautiful boy in the he movie, played in the film Beautiful the Boy. Be beautiful Boy with Steve <laughs> yeah. Carell, where yeah. he was. Uh, did we have an instantly, like, kind of like the deep impact Armageddon with Timothy Chalamet, a beautiful boy, and Lucas? There's a lot of, there were a lot of boy films then. Yeah, uh, Timothy Chalamet is just. A boy a, Erased, a Beautiful Boy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There was one more boy. We need to ben talk is, about Kevin. Ben is Boy or Ben is Back or something like that. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's the Lucas Hedges. A lot of a lot of boy movies. A lot of boy movies, but uh, he's great. Rebecca Ferguson, I thought, really commanded the screen well uh, as well. And just the, I thought the lore was uh, the, the the movie is surprisingly, even though there's a lot of flashback and flash forward, 
um, surprisingly linear, and it's a lot easier to. I, I I was like, oh, is it going to be, you know, slow? No, it. The, I thought the pacing and the world building and the storytelling was really well done. I'm a I'm a, I'm a Dune devotee. This movie won me over big when time. When I first read and saw Dune, it was probably like close to twenty years ago at this point, and mm-hmm. it was a very different time, like culturally. And I felt like at that time I was like, oh, people would not. This is. It, this would be a Lord of the Rings-esque thing to bring to the screen because it's so complicated. There's so many characters. It's so vast. And now I think really like post-Game of Thrones, like the world, we're, we're all just more into it these days. Like everybody's more into lore, more into world building, mm-hmm. more into fantasy. Like a bunch of this stuff came out and sort of won people over to that. Yes. And I think that in an era where stuff like Shadow and Bone and The Witcher is on TV – it is just an easier sell to get people into these kinds of worlds. And and it does. It makes, like, when I was watching this, I had the same thing. I was like, oh, Dune is less complicated than I remember. Yeah. In my head, I think of it as, oh, there's so much to learn. You got so much to figure out. And, like, there is, and there's stuff that people probably don't get just from this one movie. Like, I know the the one thing I feel like they, they left out a lot is Mentats. Do you know what I mean when I say that? No. Uh, so there's two characters that are mentats in this. There's Steven Henderson. You know that one part where Steven Henderson and his eyes go all white like he's calculating something yes. and then they come back to their normal color? Yes, yes. He's a, he's a character known as a mentat. In the world of Dune, their computers are people. Like they're, they oh. manage to train and engineer people from a young age to where your brain can do the advanced calculations that a computer would do. Gotcha. And so it's like a job. It's like a specialized. Now, David Dalmatian, who was uh, the Polka Dot Man earlier this year. Yes. He's also in this. He's playing a character named Peter DeVries, who's another, who's also a Mentat. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are, a, they're, they're important in the Dune universe. And the Lynch movie has a whole scene where they get explained. This movie, for whatever reason, Denny didn't feel like we needed to know about them. So there, there's stuff like that that you don't realize that you don't quite get yet. But it doesn't matter because you're getting pulled along by all the other stuff. Well, yeah, there's some things I just give myself over. I'm like, okay, that's part of this um, sci-fi landscape or this crazy yeah. world. And I don't know what the the spider ant guy with hands, the the, the Baron's like weird pet thing. I don't know. Oh, what, yeah. I don't even think that's in the book. I don't know what that is. Worth mentioning. Also, uh, you, you mentioned this before. I had seen the movie, and then uh, Jason Momoa is really good. I, I feel like he he does play kind of a you know a swashbuckling. Uh, heroic figure but he's really restrained in that performance and he, I think most Jason Momoa is really over the top but I, I liked this slightly more muted but still big action character but uh, a little bit more um, playing it on like a you know different uh, you know not on an 11 yeah, fan, fan favorite character, Duncan Idaho. Yeah, Duncan Idaho. Uh, Dune, uh, it's on HBO Max. Uh, yeah, uh, I tweeted this uh, before, and it's it's not that far fetched. Uh, Dune is my new religion. I am. I'm gonna. Like, wow, you're a fremen. <laughs> but I want to watch it again. I, I've only seen it once. I would go see it in a theater now if you're a big fan. Worth it. I I, I really did like it, I, I, and I really was just locked in the whole way and uh, enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, Dune, uh, it's in theaters on HBO Max. Uh, keeping with HBO Max, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is back for season 11. And it was crazy, Lon. I was uh, just uh, you know fiddling around on the internet and looking uh, up some Curb stuff and didn't realize the first season was in two, 2000 or 2003. Probably around 2000, maybe 2001 or something like that. 
I think it actually was 2000. Well, let me look it up. Here, I... Yeah, October 15th, 2000. Damn. So this show has been around for 21 years. Well, 11 seasons. 11 this is season seasons. season 11, but right. it, over the course of 20 years. Oh, yes. Yeah, 11 seasons over the course of 20 years, give or take. And it still retains its, its dark, wry sense of humor. It hasn't really lost too much on its fastball. I, I really like the first episode. And it's crazy that you know Larry David, deep into his 70s now... Uh, is just creating this acerbic, funny, uh, just cultural, th- this mirror, holding up a mirror to like just the idiosyncrasies and the nonsense that uh, uh, we do, and also uh, of celebrities in Hollywood. And uh, I like his take on that. And uh, yeah, Larry's just still on his same bullshit. And it's good. I really enjoyed the first episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Lon, uh, Thoughts on the on Curb in general? I mean, it, it's basically if you like Curb, this is more solid Curb. It's great. It's Curb. I, yeah. What a flex it is to just be like, hey, unannounced, I'm just adding Albert Brooks to my TV show, like a living legend, and he just he just shows up and with no fanfare. It wasn't like this is the Albert Brooks season. Any other show that was going to just add Albert Brooks to the ensemble this year. They would have, like, promoted the hell out of it. It would have been a big deal. Mm-hmm. For Curb, it's just like, oh, Albert Brooks is in Curb now. Yeah, and it's, you know, part of it is probably a nod to his brother, um, Bob Eisenstein, Super Dave Osborne. Sure, of course. Um, but it, who it's passed still, away. Uh, it's still, you know, just like uh, a comedy legend just, just walking into the scene and you didn't even know he was coming. It it rides a line of like weird, like cultural, like idiosyncratic moments. Like uh, Albert Brooks, I'm not going to give it away, but he gets in trouble in the episode for something that is very of the moment and right now, and it's just spot on and perfect. And there's much of this show that just feels so sharp, and it's 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 pretty cool that it's able to retain this quality over so long, and then. It also starts off with a storyline that could potentially be a season-long arc of uh, Larry creating a show for Netflix, uh, and there's some uh, some hijinks ensue in regards to that. Kind of like the season-long arc of when they brought the Seinfeld cast back, which was sure. w- one of the great reunions of all time on television. I mean, th- that's the way to do a reunion, the way Seinfeld did it on Curb. And, uh, yeah, so it, it, it sets itself up for potential season-long uh, some good stuff. And then, yeah, but the one-offs and the, uh, the, the, the cultural, uh, human, social, social commentary stuff is pretty great as well. Uh, any, any, anything else in uh, regards to uh, Curblon that you're uh, particularly... I, I like the way that they are. It's like COVID is real. They're not ignoring that COVID happened, mm-hmm. but it's not the whole show. Like they didn't try to come up with like a season long COVID arc. It's not built around COVID being a reality. It's just in our world. And so people are talking about it. It's like one of the very few shows that have managed that kind of balance. Uh, and it's, it's, it's nice to see. Um, you know, I mean, it's. I think at this point you kind of know what it. I was amused because my friend uh, Brendan Bradley made an independent romantic comedy feature, and it has the same setup as Leon's plot from this season of Curb, where a guy has two tickets for an international trip, 
mm-hmm. breaks up with the woman and so needs to find another woman to go with who has the same name as the name that appears on the ticket. Uh-huh. Uh, Brendan's Brendan's film is called Non-Transferable. It's available on VOD now. Uh, so when I heard that was going to be Leon's story, I was like, oh, my God, I've seen, seen this before. Not that I'm accusing anybody of ripping anybody off. It's an idea that's out there in the world, you know. J.B. Smoove, maybe plagiarized Lon's friend. Well, I think it would be Larry David. I don't think J.B. Smoove is writing the I al- think episode Smoove, outlines. I think, well, uh, they, He's doing they, the improvising. Larry David's coming up with the stories. Well. Oh. You disagree about how Curb is made? Listen, no, I, I just think... <laughs> I will take issue with that. I just I think, think your, that Jason Alexander think, is coming up with the story. I think that your friend should uh, sue Larry and JB. Wow. JB, you guys are on a first name? Uh, oh, yeah. You, you oh, and yeah. JB? Wow, look at that. I didn't know. Yeah, here, here's the thing. I didn't know you moved in those circles. I know you move in some pretty... You move in some high-level circles these days. I don't know. I'm a little bit presumptuous when it uh, comes to calling people by their first names. Marty. Marty and Bobby are my favorite. When people call De Niro and Scorsese, oh, yeah. Bobby and Marty, that's always a great one. That's pretty good. That's like, pretty yes, good. we all know that's what they go by, but you don't get to call them. Yeah, uh, you're not on that basis with them. It's Curb, it's back. HBO Max, season 11. Here's the thing. If you like Curb, it, they're still bringing it. Enjoy it. Marathon it. I haven't seen every <laughs> the little Brody Stevens. Enjoy, enjoy it. it. Boom. Mar- enjoy it. But Curb. It's a, it's a great it, program. It's kind of cool and weird that over the course of these 20 years, they keep coming back and they keep doing it. And Jeff Garland is still a, a big schmuck and he's great. And uh, JB Smoove is excellent. And the, the core, uh, everyone, what's the name of the woman that plays uh, Jeff Garland's wife? Susie Essman. Susie Essman. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, hopefully we get a little Cheryl Hines this year and uh, we get a little John Hamm in the episode. I'm not going to spoil any of what he does, but uh, it's it's great. Uh, absolutely worth it. Curb, uh, not disappointing so far one episode in. Lon, speaking of not disappointing, uh, I, I don't know if I could say that about the next thing we watched, uh, but I don't know what I expected. Hypnotic, a new film on Netflix. Um, it's a uh, kind of a potboiler, a thriller, uh, the uh, it's a psychological uh, dark story about a, a homicidal uh, therapist, and uh, yeah, things things go awry for some of his clients. Lon, uh, hypno- <laughs> have you ever been hypnotized? I have. I have been hypnotized. Uh, yeah, at our grad night, we had a hypnotist come in, and the the thing about being hypnotized that is. It's not like any of these movies, or at least for me. I don't know. I've never been hypnotized during therapy. Maybe it's different. Uh, But when I was hypnotized, you are extremely aware the whole time. It's Mm -hmm. not like you black out or you're in some trance. It's it's purely that you're a little bit more open to the things that people suggest to you. But in my mind, I didn't feel like I had no choice but to do the things that the person was telling me to do. I was thinking – Oh, I'll go along with this. It'll be funny. Everybody will laugh. And then afterwards, you're like, I guess I was particularly open to these suggestions. Like maybe normally I would have been shy and wouldn't have wanted to do this. But because I was hypnotized and I was in this relaxed state, I was more willing to. So I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the things he said was your phone is ringing. You realize your phone, your, your shoe starts ringing. You suddenly realize your shoe is a phone and you pick it up to answer it. And it's the principal of your school. And without even thinking, 
I grab my shoe, I take it off, and I go, hello, hello, hello? And everybody laughs. It's funny. And I knew I was being funny. Like, I didn't, there was no moment in that where I thought my shoe, I didn't hear a phone ring. I didn't think I was talking to my principal. I knew I was doing a bit. But if you had just said that to me and I hadn't been hypnotized, I probably would have been like, oh, that shoe's dirty. I don't want to like, I would have, it would have been more in my head about it. Right. And that's really what hypnotism is. It's not this thing that the movie, it's not MK ultra brain, mind control, brainwashing, like all that's bullshit. That's not really what hypnotism is about. This movie is every like dumb old school stereotype that we have about what hypnotism is, where you go into like some deep, dark, suggestible trance state. You have no memories and a person could make you literally do anything. But also this weird idea, they could implant things like they could plant Mm -hmm. something in your mind that's like, even when you're awake and not hypnotized, if X happens, you're going to do Y. And eh, probably bullshit. I don't think anybody really believes that's happening. Yeah, I think they are absolutely playing fast and loose with the idea of hypnosis. Uh, the, yeah, like hours go by in these sessions and the person wakes up and was like, how long was I out? Oh, uh it felt like three minutes, and it's like, no, it was an hour. It was, but that's even the whole point. Like hypnosis works as therapy because you're not asleep. You were, it, it wouldn't be therapeutic if you couldn't remember it. Unless they're rewiring your subconscious. But they're no, they're not supposed to do that. It's like when you hit it, it's like to to get like you're more open, so you're more likely to remember things, or you you might think about something you hadn't noticed before, or something. But you're in, you're there. You need to be very present and active because it's therapy. Mm-hmm. So uh, this <laughs> so movie, the movie it, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, the movie was thankfully uh, less than a hundred minutes, so that was good. But the it's essentially. Kind of a lifetime movie, you know? It's a little it, bit like a lifetime movie. Yeah, I agree. It, like structurally, it, it's just like, you know, woman in peril, evil man. Uh, this woman, uh, who's uh, fr- um, the same woman from uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix. Kate Siegel. Yeah, Kate she's, Siegel. Uh, she's actually Mike Flanagan's wife. She's yes, Mike Flanagan's wife. Um, she is incapable of seeing red flags. And so are like most of the women in this movie, it seems, because this doctor is a creep from the moment you see him on screen. He's got a very like soap opera guy look like, I don't know who this actor is, but you're like, he's definitely been on days of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's a, he's just that kind of a guy where you just like imagine him with like a cocktail going like, well, and that's why I plan to take over complete control of the company, Miranda. You know, like it's just that he's yeah. got that where you're just like, you know, that you're not supposed to trust him immediately. Yeah. Like this. He's blandly handsome and his eyes are kind of empty and he's just a, um, gives these platitudes uh, to people telling them that's what why they want to hear. Removing you from the trust, Marsha. And there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. Oh, you didn't expect to see me. Did you think I was dead? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Like th- this guy. And yeah, like so untrustworthy and everyone trust. Can I say, I'm shocked that you haven't mentioned what I thought was the biggest problem with the movie. Go ahead. Which is, there's not very many characters. It's just like a limited, there's only a few characters. It's this one basic scenario. And then about halfway through, 
We get introduced to, she finally goes to the authorities. Yes. We get introduced to a couple's played by Dula Hill, who's like, oh, the moment you see him, you're like, oh, thank God. Somebody fun who's Mm -hmm. got a character actor with some personality. Yes. Who I've enjoyed in stuff before. Mm -hmm. The Wonder Years guy, he's from Psych. This guy's going to come in, liven things up. Now we've got some personality. And they give him fucking jack and shit to do like these he's so wasted in this he's it's such a generic role he's tired it, it seems like it was such an afterthought it's like well no you, you you finally got you got a good fun actor for this role like give him something give him a bit something like yeah nothing he's got nothing the the conceit of this movie and the premise it's a little batshit Okay, but the execution doesn't go full batshit crazy enough. Like we only get glimpses and pieces of this doctor who invades the minds of his patients with his weird hypnosis. And we don't get him going full like, you know, just a. Why not give this guy a juicy, I know, totally different movie, totally different concept, but like a, just, just some kind of juicy Hannibal Lecter villain kind of monologue or something. Let him really ham it up or go for it. Like, it maybe they almost tried, but it felt like just a swing and a miss just as far as taking advantage of the psych, psychotic nature of what he's doing. Also, yeah, they have I all think- these sessions. Let's see one of those sessions where he's like planting the seeds and just reveling in it no that's the the the, the format is we don't know what he's doing in the sessions and then the reveal is that yeah like we figure out what he was doing once they reveal it let's see it yeah i mean my thoughts are similar i there's this movie called stir of echoes you remember that one with kevin bacon vaguely yeah so that's a ghost story really that's like a a haunted house ghost kind of movie but Mm -hmm. the inciting incident is he his i think it's his sister-in-law Ileana douglas hypnotizes him at a party and then after he's hypnotized, all of a sudden, just like a freak accident, now he can see ghosts. Uh, the movie gotcha. is really good. It came out in 99, and it got really overshadowed by The Sixth Sense, which came out a few months later, which also has mm. a guy, person who can see ghosts, and so they're sort of similar. But um, the cool thing about Sturbeck is there's, there's a scene at the party when Ileana Douglas puts Kevin Bacon under, and it's very, like, visually cool. Like, she has him picture himself in a movie theater, and the words that she's trying to hypnotize him with, like, slowly materialize on the screen in front of him. Mm. And it's just, it's got a dream logic and it's kind of creepy. And I kept kind of waiting for this movie to do that. Like with something like hypnosis, these sort of, these mental states you're putting people in, it's a real opportunity to be cinematic and to be visual and to give us a sensory kind of feeling for the experience. Like there was that movie we watched uh, In the Earth this year, that horror movie. Yes, yes. And it was so good about using editing and montage and psychedelic visuals to like, this is the trippy shit that's going on in this person's head while they're mm-hmm. having this mystical experience or whatever. Yeah, some really great uh, effects and visuals in that. Right, and I would have loved something, and it doesn't need to be a VFX showcase. I'm not expecting Hypnotic on Netflix to be Doctor Strange, but like something that visually lets us know like, okay, she's in a suggestive state. She's in a yes. trance. There's something fucked up happening in this person's mind and they don't really give us anything. It, it does, just like you said, it feels like a lifetime movie. Like they're doing the least amount possible to get us across the, the scene into the next scene so we know what's happening. And like, it just, it just feels generic. Like it's going through the motions. Yeah. And uh, it, we just could have seen. I do like that. I like Kate Siegel as an actress and she's pretty good in it. Yeah. And I feel like she's got real like, 
I, I, I like that Netflix is trying to make her into like the new first lady of horror and she's in mm-hmm. all of this creepy Flanagan shit. And like, that's, I'm for that. Like, yeah. keep putting her in psychological thrillers and horror films. I just feel like this one's a misfire. She is solid in this, uh, maybe without the best material around her. And there's some cool things that happen, but then you're in these long stretches of just so generic, so straightforward. And nothing surprising, nothing exceeding expectations. And I wanted to make one more point. You and I like kind of had a back and forth, uh, like uh, several a couple months ago, about theatrical releases versus online releases that are being called content. And I feel like this, like, really typifies something that feels like, oh, yes, this feels like that much more claustrophobic and smaller, like a net. Movie as opposed to a theatrical film that is might be just a little bit bigger, a li- feel a little bit uh, grander in scale, or um, have just that much more going on, or be that much more surprising as opposed to feeling like a lifetime movie. Does that does that make any sense? No, no, of course it does. I I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So uh, listen, if. If you want a cheesy Lifetime movie, pour yourself a big old glass of red wine and pull up the covers and settle in for Hypnotic on Netflix a little bit by the numbers. Um, Yeah, there you go. Lon, I think we've talked about all we've come to talk about. Good, I'm exhausted. Jeez. Me too. (laughs) I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. It's a, a delight to be here with you all every week. Absolutely. Uh, Starburns Audio, thank you for having us. Travis Reeves, producer, thank you for producing us. Jason K, soundtrack guitar master, thank you for riffing us in with some sweet licks. Lon Harris. That's me. Care to tell them anything? Uh, you guys have been great. No, I'll tell you where to find me. It's at L-O-N-S. That's on Twitter. Uh, you should also listen to my other podcast. It's called Garmin Shosia. I've spelled it for you enough times. Go back and listen. Figure it out. Watch Twin Peaks. Uh, that's with me and Video Drew, uh, a.k.a. Drew Grant. It goes up on uh, the Content Candy Network, uh, and that's where to find all my other stuff. Good job. And I'm at Hal Rudnick on Twitter and Instagram. And... If you are on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick. We do comedy shows, movie watch-alongs. Lon joined us for a a movie watch-along. That was super fun. And uh, would love to have you back sometime to uh, talk to the folks on the Twitch. And thanks for listening, everybody. Only if we watch more Children of the Corn movies. Oh, yes. We watch Children of the Corn uh, to celebrate spooky season. Uh, You know, we'll still watch some spooky movies, but also non-spookies as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Now running on air. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit.